Well, good evening, Calvary Chapel. And I do say good evening because I realize that most of you who are tuning in right now are tuning in during our regularly scheduled time, which is 7 o'clock on Wednesday. But as you may notice, it is not evening right now where we are recording. We are recording this um, in the morning. And so it is good morning for us, but yet we still want to wish you a very good evening. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin our study today. Our God and Father, we are thankful that we can be together, Lord, and that you have given us this technology that no matter where we are, in our homes or in our cars, maybe we're traveling or in a hotel room, Father, that we can still hear your word. Father, I'm thankful that we have a place that we can still come, that we know a place is still there for us when all of the craziness of this world is over and we can still gather. Our hearts, Father, long to be together, but we know, Father, we are never separated from you. And Daddy, would you bless this time today as we dig into your word? Would you, Father, push me out of the way? Would you empower me, Father, with your word? Would you allow my words to be your words? And Father, open up every heart that is listening online tonight that you would have something specific for each and every one of us today. Daddy, we are thankful that you allow us to pray. We are thankful for the power of prayer. Please be with our time today. It's in Jesus I pray. Amen. Well, amen. Go ahead and be grabbing your Bibles. And just for reference, everyone, we do use the New American Standard Bible version here at Calvary Chapel. But just grab any Bible that you have. It can be your NIV. It can be your ESV or your King James. Um, I do believe that following along as we study God's Word really helps with comprehension. But we are excited today to continue on with our verse-by-verse study through the book of Exodus. And I think I'm especially excited for this chapter, chapter 16 of Exodus. Be opening your Bibles there. And I think with, in light of all the things that are going on in our world right now, Exodus 16 really gives us some insights that we can apply to our world, to ourselves, to our lives right now. So I'm excited about that. But I do want to say before we get in, Um, You can be looking for these five things that over the next several chapters that we're going to be studying, most of what we will be studying will have to do with God's provision. So you can be looking for these five things. In chapter 16, we will focus in on the provision of food and rest. And then in chapter 17, when we get to chapter 17, we will focus in on the provision of water and victory. And then when we get to chapter 18, we will focus in on the provision of wisdom. But what I really want you to see is this. The most important thing for you to know is this, that each of these areas of provision point to Jesus Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of all of these things. Remember, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I will give you rest. I am living water. Paul wrote, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Proverbs says, for the Lord gives wisdom. So let let us jump into the scriptures right now and see what the Lord has for us today. Exodus 16, verse 1. Let's read together. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, 
when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Let's stop right there and let's just kind of recap what we've learned so far. Remember, it says here that they, they start out, they set out from Elam. And remember, Elam was a place of refreshment. It was a, pl- a place where they could recuperate from some of the things they've already experienced. Elam was bubbling with uh, spring waters and it had those date palm trees, that sweet fruit. It had shade. It was a place where they could get rejuvenated and rest. And the Lord had provided that place because He knew what they needed. He wanted to provide for them a little time, just a little place where they could just calm down from all the things they had gone through so far. And it says that all the congregation of the sons of Israel came into the wilderness of sin. Now that word sin, you don't need to put uh, too much stock into that. It's just a name. It has nothing really to do with the story. Although you think about it as we read this story, it is somewhat appropriate. But it says they come into the wilderness. And I want us to understand that in the scriptures, wilderness speaks to us as several things. The wilderness can be a place of temptation. Remember, Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness by Satan himself. The wilderness can be a place of testing. And you'll see in this chapter that the Israelites will be tested in the wilderness. The wilderness can also be a place of sacrifice. And if you remember early on in the story, Moses approaches Pharaoh and he says, let my people go that we may journey into the wilderness for three days that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. So the wilderness can be many things, but the wilderness can also be an in-between place, a place where you're not really where you once were and yet you're not where you want to be. And so we find that the wilderness really is the perfect analogy or the perfect metaphor for where we find ourselves right now today. And it's during this time in our in-between place or in our wilderness that we too can be tempted to grumble. What's happening? What's all this going on? Why weren't we warned about this coronavirus? It's in this in-between place, this, this time, that it can be attesting to our patience or to our resolve. Maybe if I hold off on paying this bill and I shuffle some money around, I can take care of this. Or we can be tested in our patience with our children or other people or the lines at the store. In this time of our wilderness, it can be a place of sacrifice. I want us to be thinking right now of our frontline first responders and our medical staff, personnel that's um, around the country, and even our grocery store workers, our cashiers at the grocery stores, listen, would you be nice to them? These people as well are risking their health and their lives serving us. They are to be honored and they are to be prayed for. And so during this time, we can relate to the things that they were going to, sacrifices and testing and temptation. But the wilderness, this in-between place, it's a place that separates secure from scared. This in-between place separates confident from unsure. It separates plenty from want. And we know the wilderness can be dangerous. Just Just by nature, the wilderness is vast and hostile. It can be hot. It's a barren place. It's dry. It's full of sand and stone. 
And yet it's the very place that the Lord decided He was going to bring His people Israel to shape their character and their faith. It's the perfect place when you think about it to produce a total reliance on Him. As well, we find that the wilderness is a place of weakness. Now, I want us to all understand that the wilderness doesn't cause our weaknesses. Rather, it exposes our weaknesses. So the faithful, when they're in the wilderness, they just go on. Whereas the faithless, they just go away. The Israelites, they were immature in their understanding of who God is. They were immature in their standing. They hadn't been around God in this close contact uh, for most of their lives. And being immature in your relationship with God, that too is a weakness. And sometimes we know the good that we ought to do, but we don't do it. Remember, Paul wrote about that. We know the things that we should say and the things we shouldn't say. We know we should be gentle in our relationships and that we should be calm and we should be patient with other people, but sometimes we don't do that. Remember when Jesus, what Jesus said to Peter, James, and John? when he was in Gethsemane, when he needed him the most, when he needed to go pray, when he knew what was about to come on the cross. And he said, guys, I just need to go pray. Will you come with me a little further into the garden that I may pray? Just wait right here. I'm going to go over here and pray. And he goes and prays and he comes back and he finds them asleep. They knew what they were to do. You remember what Jesus said to them? He said, your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He comes back to the men and he says, could you not keep watch?" with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Again, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It was in their weakness that we find the Israelites grumbling against God. They didn't really want to go back to Egypt. They just wanted their life to be a little bit easier. Can you relate with that right now? In the pressure of the moment, they didn't realize that the cause of their pressure, the cause of their struggle, the cause of their stress was their lack of faith, their lack of trust, the lack of understanding of who God really is. All they could really think about was the quickest escape route. And so as we dive into this chapter, as we take a deeper look into this chapter, let us learn this lesson right off the bat that when pressure comes your way or when you find yourself stumbling in your walk with the Lord, resist the temptation to make the quick escape. Instead, seek to understand God in a deeper way. Trust in His Word. Stand on His promises. Get to know the names of God. And by doing so, you will get to know the Lord our God. They may have escaped Pharaoh's armies, but they have not escaped Satan. And anyone who doesn't think that Satan wasn't there prodding and poking and stirring things up, well, listen, you don't understand Satan. He is your enemy. He is the devil. And the wilderness exposes our weaknesses. Let's read on in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the sons of Israel, at evening you will know that I am the Lord. You will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning 
you will see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against Him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Now, after we, read, we read here, after the people grumble, notice what the Lord doesn't say. The Lord doesn't say, well, I'm going to kill all these people because it's obvious that they don't love me. They don't obey me. They're sick of me. So let's just wipe them out. He doesn't say that. He says, in fact, just the opposite. God showers them with grace. It says, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Now, this is an interesting phrase, that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Now, you think about it for a minute. What a great way to test them. First, you tell them in advance everything that you're going to do for them, how you're going to provide for them. This is called God's promises. And here's the plan. You say, every day you shall go out and gather a day's portion, but just enough for that one day. But the test is, will that be enough? Will you trust me, is what God is saying. Every day, will you rely on me? Each morning, will you see your need for me? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Will you trust me? These things, uh, church, they, they, they stir inside of us. And these are questions we truly need to be asking ourselves today. Moses goes on and he talks about the sixth day. And he says, on that day, you are to gather a double portion because on the seventh day, you're going to rest. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute because he repeats it again. But I love what he says, what he's saying basically when he asks them the million-dollar question. So Moses, he starts repeating the plan again. He starts reminding them that they will soon see the glory of God through all of these miracles. And here it comes, the million-dollar question. And what are we? He's saying to them, why are you looking to men? Like, why are you looking to me? Did you think that when we brought you out of Egypt, Aaron and I, that somehow we were going to be able to take care of you? Th this isn't our plan. These aren't our ideas. We're just following directions as well. He's saying, did you ever consider that maybe God had something to do with your provision. So much more so than just throwing you the key to freedom. Don't you see, he says, that you're not grumbling against us, but rather you're grumbling against God. You're attacking God himself. And then he goes on in verse 19. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. It came about as a... Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now, before we move on, let me say something about grumbling, because I just want to be really clear here. 
there is a big difference between lamenting and grumbling. It is okay to express sorrow. It is okay to, to, to be able to pour your heart out to God. You think about what's going on right now. We can express sorrow about the change of schedules or the change in plans that we've all had to undergo. It's okay to express sorrow about those things. There are graduations that are supposed to be taking place later on this year. And there's a very good chance that those graduations aren't going to happen. Those parties were planned. They have the hat, the gown. They're, they're, it was their day, these seniors. And now these plans have to be changed. It's okay to express sorrow for things like this. There was weddings that were planned that have to be canceled. I was going to do a wedding on May 2nd. But because the venue won't be available, because people can't travel, these situations are totally flipped on their side. Spring breaks have been changed or canceled or put on hold. Vacations put on hold. Mission trips have been canceled. I know there's been sporting events. There are people who were so excited about opening day of the baseball season. What's going to happen with the NBA draft? Will football, will we even have football season this year? All of these things, it is okay to be saddened and to bring forth your appeal to God in prayer and yet be confident in God's character. It is okay to petition your request to God, but, to God, but just remember that you don't have all the information yet. So your prayer request may not be answered in a way that's satisfying to you. I do know this. Reverent prayer to God is based on confidence in God's character. Turn over your Bibles to Hebrews 5 and verse 7 because I love this passage as it refers to Jesus. Hebrews 5 and verse 7, I'll give you a minute to get there. And it says this in Hebrews 5 and verse 7. It, speaking of Jesus, it says, In the days of His flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death. And He was heard because of His reverence. That's talking about a deep respect in the Father. Expressing sorrow is biblical. And He blesses us when we do that. So we have a choice. We can either lament or we can complain, which is a direct attack on God Himself. And I believe we open up our minds to Satan when we do things like this. It's like we open up a portal to our heart that allows Him to come take a little place to get a foothold in our lives. Did God really say that He was going to take care of you even during this time? Did God really say that you would be set apart and that you were chosen? Did God really say that you are not to eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden? You remember that? Satan starts to plant doubt. When we complain, we open up a portal. We allow Satan to enter into our lives and stand in the center of our lives. A complaint is an attack on God. And that is what Satan loves to do. He loves to attack our God and he loves to attack his people. It's what he does. It's what he majors in. And so the Israelites, they encountered danger. They encountered 
shortages. There was inconvenience. They had no toilet paper. And they grumble against the Lord. They complain bitterly that they long to be back in Egypt because they forgot about the truth. Instead, they started remembering the lies of Satan and doubts that Satan was planting in their minds about who God is. But look at what we learn about God here in this next section in verse 13. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every day as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. So right here we find, as always, God provided for their needs. This is a thing called grace. It's a thing called unmerited favor. They didn't deserve it. This relationship dynamic between God and the grumbling of Israel and then God showering them with His blessing, it's called grace. And you see the same connection that we have with Jesus. Unmerited favor, grace. We don't, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. God did not treat the Israelites as their sins deserve. It all points to the Lord our God, Jesus. God already knew that the sins that they were going, that, that God already knew the sins that they would stumble into. God knew that they would grumble. God knew that they would be faithless at times. God knew that they, that they would grumble and complain, not only against Moses, but even against each other. God knew there would be division. And yet God was not caught off guard by this ordeal. And God still didn't treat them as their sins deserved. God wasn't surprised. God still continued to provide for their needs. It says that in the evening, God gave them meat, and then in the morning, He gave them manna, which means, what is it? When they saw it, they said, manna, which means, what is it? And Moses said, this is what I've been talking about. This is the way the Lord is going to provide for you. This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now, this is cool right here in verse 16. And he gives them some very specific directions. So let me read it again in case you missed it. Very specific direction here in verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. So if you were a bigger man, you gathered more. If you were a smaller person, you gathered less, as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece. Now an omer was like a, a, a quart jar full. And you would fill the jar full of this fine flaky substance which you would make your bread. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons 
each of you has in your tent or in your household. Each one is to get an omer full. The sons of Israel did so. Now, I had to read that twice when I first read it because, I mean, next to the parting of the Red Sea, this may be the second greatest miracle of all time. They obeyed. The sons of Israel did so. And some gathered much, it says, and some gathered little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. In other words, this section is telling us that God provided exactly what each person needed, the perfect amount. The perfect amount. You weren't hungry, you weren't starving, and yet you weren't overly full. It doesn't matter the size. It didn't matter what you were used to. God always provided the perfect thing. God thought of every detail when, they brought, when He brought them out of Egypt. Every detail. He took them into the wilderness. He knew in advance. You remember when they left, they didn't take the shortcut because He knew they might be attacked and they weren't ready to fight. They went this direction when they were stranded between the Red Sea and the mountains. God knew every detail. He parted the Red Sea. They were able to cross through the Red Sea, safely to the shores on the other side of the Red Sea. God thought of everything. He knew the who, He knew the what, He knew the when, He knew the where, He knew the how much. The only thing He leaves off is the why. And in the same way, church, God provided for the people in that same way God will provide for you in your tent, in your home today. God is going to provide for us Every single day. I just don't know if I could stress it enough. When you need more, you will get more. When you need less, there will be less. These are the things that God is showing us. There will be not one day that the Lord will not be with us. No matter how long it takes. It could be two weeks. It could be two months that we're dealing with this coronavirus. It could be two years. But I am believing that the Lord God will be with us each and every one of those days, those hours, those minutes, those weeks, those months, those years, every single day. And as you sit here in your house, just know this. God was not caught off guard by the coronavirus. God was not surprised. God wasn't like, oh, where, didn't see that coming. Where did that come from? Those things weren't part of God. He will provide for us. He already has been providing for us. He will always provide for His people. Now, I need to be concerned. You need to be cautious. We all need to be somewhat wise and thoughtful and prudent when it comes to protecting ourselves and our loved ones. We need to obey our leaders as they take precautionary measures to keep us all safe. But we refuse to be in fear. I am not afraid. I'm just not. I'm just not afraid because I know what the Bible teaches. Listen, fear is not your master. You are no longer slaves to fear. The question is, are you relying on God every morning or are you succumbing to fear? God was teaching them that each morning should bring a new reliance on Him, on our God. Are you believing that God will provide? Are you being strong and courageous 
as the Bible tells us to be over and over? These are good questions. Church, these are questions that I had to ask of myself in a humble way, and I had to really examine in my heart of hearts what was I really feeling. It was up and down at first. I was one of the first ones to express my concern, and there was fear in my voice at that time. But I am just so past that. I just don't have a fear as to what's going to happen. And I implore you to ask the same questions of yourself and get to a place where you realize fear will no longer be your master. Now look at verse 22. Check this out. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor were there any worms in it. Moses said, Eat of it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none." He says, don't gather more than you need, except on the Sabbath. And on that day, you are to gather twice as much. What I want you to see here is the Lord is creating a day where He's saying, I want you to rest and I want you to reflect on who I am. He's creating a day where He wants you to rest and reflect on what He has done. He creates this day and He wants us to be refreshed. He wants us to know that I am the Lord your God. And I'm telling you, there is something so very special about the Sabbath. Remember, God Himself rested on the seventh day of creation, not because He needed it. God doesn't need to rest, but He did as an example that you would follow. That's why God did the Sabbath, because God knows every aspect of our needs. It's all about provision. God knows that our bodies get tired and they break down our muscles and we start to wear out. Our Sabbath that me and my family partake in, it's one of our most cherished times of the week. And I know for some of you, you're like, Sabbath, man, isn't that like a a Jewish tradition? Well, listen, I'm not Jewish, but we choose to do a Sabbath in my family. Now, listen, the Sabbath doesn't have to be on a Saturday. It just so happens for our family, it lands on a Saturday. It can be any day where you have set aside for rest and to be with your family. We do things on our Sabbath in our home where we have special food that we don't eat on any other days of the week. We have special meals. We have special devotion times. I I like to call it alone with God, but present with family. I, I say that term a lot. And it just simply means that you are honoring God when you are alone and honoring with your family. You are with them, but you are also with God. And there are times when we are together where all the say, am. I want to spend a little time just alone, go in the basement and have a special prayer time with you, Father. Emily will do the same thing and we'll have great times together. But it's called Shabbat Shalom. It's called the Sabbath. Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. And Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. And it was a common greeting 
not only during that time, but even right now. It's a common greeting that you give someone to wish them peace that the Sabbath brings, but only if you observe it. See, that's the key. You have to actually observe it. It's the idea that I find God in my rest and I find rest in my God. I find God in my rest and I find rest in my God. It's so important and I encourage you if you don't have some form of Sabbath for rest and renewal, knowing God has provided it for you, you think about what's going on right now. Some of you have not taken a day off, I bet, in years. It's like, I don't have time to rest. God knows your need. Maybe part of what's going on now is so we can unplug, that we can refocus, reorient ourselves to the things of God. Let's look in verse 27. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out together, went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. How fitting is this passage for what's going on right now? <laughs> Remain every man in his place, like stay in your house. Let no man go outside of his place on the seventh day. It's so fitting. What is human nature? Human nature hoards. That's just like what we do. I don't have time to rest, like I already said. We, we, we want to have something tucked away. In case of an emergency, we want a guarantee. We want a way out. We want an assurance that in case you don't come through God or in case you don't come through person or job, I need a guarantee. I need to know that I'm going to be okay. We need to be extra prepared. It's human nature because we don't want to be taken off guard. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it just in case it doesn't work out, I need a guarantee. And what's so ironic is we say we trust you, Father. My hope is in you, Lord. If, when. When I have been challenged in my faith, if I find that I start looking for a guarantee, maybe some of you can relate to that, especially right now. And so in so many ways, we aren't much different than the people we're reading about. I, I connect to what you're going through. I connect in some ways as to what they were went through. I want you just to imagine for a minute that tonight you have to go to bed with nothing prepared for tomorrow. How, how would we do with that? How would we do with weeks and months and years of that? This is what it was like for them. This is what it's like for some homeless people right now. So we can't really read into this and think, well, how could they have done that? We don't always put ourselves in their sandals or in their shoes. What are we going to eat tomorrow? Well, I guess whatever we find on the ground. But when we think about what's going on right now with our coronavirus, for some, this really is a reality. Like I said, for homeless, this has been a reality right now. We don't have to look too far to see how we would fare when we really think about it 
And we really put ourselves in their sandals. In verse 31, it says, The house of Israel named it manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And its taste was like wafers with honey. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer full of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Here the Lord commands them to be reminded of the Lord's provision. This is so important. He tells them that they, they need to take an omer full of manna and they are to keep it throughout all generations. Look, we struggle with memory. We do. We, we forget huge things. We forget 9-11. We forget Pearl Harbor. We forget certain things because for most of us, we weren't there. We remember it for a short time. We were patriotic. We were, uh -huh. And then it just starts to fade from our memories. And God knows our sinful nature. God knows that we forget the good of God, oftentimes for the pleasures of sin. It is in our nature to hoard. And I know that there's probably some of you watching right now. You've got bundles and rolls and rolls of toilet paper stashed, right? You have supplies and sanitizer and wipes and food. and We forget the truth sometimes that God will always provide day by day. Is it enough? Will you trust me? And we start to remember the lies of Satan. Will God really take care of you? Did God really see this coming? But thankfully, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, He showers His grace upon us. He rains bread down from heaven upon us. I think if we could only remember how many times God has taken care of us in the past, if we could just get this memory thing on straight, if we had omers of manna in our living rooms every day we looked at it and we remembered how God has always provided for us, His people, throughout the centuries and even to right now. If we could do that, remember how He's always taken care of us in the past, then honestly, we wouldn't worry about tomorrow. And we certainly wouldn't be worried about today. We would no longer be slaves to fear. And so I'm so thankful for this chapter. I'm so thankful that we could look into God's Word. And it's, to me, it's just a miracle that we happen to be studying this very chapter. We just go verse by verse here at Calvary. And this chapter happens to come up during this exact time and how on Sunday... Pastor Sean is teaching the book of Revelation. I just don't think there's such thing as coincidence. And I'm just thankful to God that He provides answers through His Word. So church, we love you. I'm so thankful that you were able to tune in tonight and listen to this message. 
Please take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Father, thank you so much for your, your word. Thank you for this message. And Father, as I've examined my own self and seen just how many times I've hoarded or I haven't trusted or I stumbled in my faith, my walk with you, Father, I am convicted as I studied out this passage. And I know early on as I studied it, I wasn't even sure if I could teach it. I knew I needed to have a deep heart change conviction when it came to being afraid or when it came to be being overly concerned. Father, would you help us to know the difference to navigate this in-between distance between secure and scared? Father, would you help us to navigate this in-between place of plenty and want where we don't hoard and take things from other people who would need it? Father, forgive us as we know you already do. Forgive us for the ways that we haven't been trusting you morning by morning, day by day, and having a total reliance on you. Father, I do believe that maybe this has come about so that we would all turn to you and see our need for you, that you've put us in a desert, a hostile place at times, so we would have a complete and total dependence on you in order to get through each and every day. Father, thank you for the examples that your Bible offers Thank you for the men who have gone before us, the ones who have been successful and even the ones who have failed, for we learn from their mistakes. Daddy, thank you for each and every person that heard the message tonight. I pray that if there's someone who, didn't, who doesn't know the Lord, that they would know that these promises are for His people. Would you please open up their hearts and their minds that they would come to you. Thank you, Father, for today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. See you Sunday. Bye-bye.